doing? Reading a newspaper? It's a little antiquated, isn't it? Um, I am looking at obituaries. Oh. Reading them. Obituaries? Why in the world are you reading obituaries? To get idea, ideas on what to write for my obituary. Okay. Why would... I mean, you're not planning on dying anything, anytime too soon, are you? No, but, you know, we did episodes on writing our obituaries. Yeah, I guess. But you know what? As I'm sitting here, I'm thinking um, I can relate to Clarence Darrow and something he said. Right, and I'm supposed to know who Clarence Darrow is? Well, I don't really know who he is either, but he said... Okay. I've never killed a man, but I have read many obituaries with great pleasure. Hello, welcome back to Life, Death, and Cookies. My name is Oliver Tanner. And I'm Char Tanner. And we're recording again from our front porch at our new home in Osawatomie, Kansas. And it's a beautiful day. It is. And uh, so we, this is a house that we're renting. So when I say it's our new home, you know, we don't own it, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, we're working on something there. But it's probably going to take a while. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, there, there's this thing like houses cost money to build. I don't get it. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're not here to talk about Kansas or Osawatomie or whatever we want to do about housing. What are we here to talk about, Shar? So um, we are getting the nitty-gritty today. We're actually going back to um, a few episodes we were, well, a few episodes ago, and for a few episodes, we were talking about um, Dr. Ira Biok's book, The Four Things That Matter Most. Right. And I'm still not convinced that it's not Biok. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was thinking that I was, I want to email him. I might talk about that later. And say, how is your name really? Well, no, pronounced? but maybe I'll, that might come in the conversation if he actually would answer me anyway well, important <laughs> questions need answers yes so uh, we were focusing on saying i love you before a loved one dies and what all that entails right. um and now we're going back to the saying i love you thing but we're going to talk about saying i love you to an estranged parent and this okay. will end up being a two-part episode um but i really want to cover each of the four things in regards to estranged parents um, okay. Because, um, fun fact, our most watched episode by quite a bit is Grieving the Death of an Estranged Parent from Season 1. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't know if people have found this episode because it had the word grieving in it or if it had the estranged parent part. I don't know, but we're running with the estranged parent part <laughs> right well uh i just i think that when you just do a process of elimination between you know terms that are used in multiple episodes and terms that are not uh grieving comes up a lot yeah death comes up oh i'd say a fair amount yeah with this it is like death and cooking. yes for sure right uh, but the estranged parent part is i think a little bit more unique so i think that that is what is uh, attracting people to that episode and 
also indicating that that is the case, uh, we are going to touch on, we actually got an email from somebody this week. Yeah. Which was kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, we were uh, trying to figure out, you know, for a while we were kind of like, uh-oh, somebody trying to hack our account. <laughs> So is this a scam? No one sent us an is, email before. Is somebody, <laughs> somebody trying to pull some kind of fast move on us? And they were. They were pulling the fast move of asking us a question. Yeah. Right? And, you know, just sending us an email. And we were kind of like, nobody sends us emails. So, yeah, it's, hey, thanks for sending us an email. Yeah. Uh, more of you, please send us emails. Yeah. Uh, with questions. And so this individual who, uh, we don't know their name. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they did not share their name, but this individual seems to, uh, have some difficulties. This individual said that they have some difficulties with communicating and, um, basically the question they asked was they, it, so it was a little bit difficult understanding their email because they have some difficulties communicating. Yeah. Right? Their email was a little bit unclear, but we do want to try to understand and we want to try and help wherever we can. Yeah. We've been trying to correspond with this person. Right? Yeah. And we we kind of put our two heads together to try and decipher what it what it says. Right. So. And so basically... Um, it seems like the gist of the original email that we got was that we uh, were the only place that this person had found not using, uh, they said, pop narcissism language. Pop culture. Or, it's like, a, pop cult, well, it doesn't say culture. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. No, it, says, it just says pop narcissism language. Okay. So what we kind of interpreted that to mean was popular... Uh, terminology for narcissism, pop culture. Which is true. Narcissism stuff, which is true. Um, we try to process things in our own way, and um, we have kind of our own way of doing things and talking about it. And so then the question was asked, can you help me find some more help? More resources, More yeah. resources, things like that. And so uh, we were, you know, as we tried to figure this out... Um, Basically, what we came down to as an answer for this individual was, I don't really know of a whole lot of other people talking about things the way that we talk about them, so I would refer you to other episodes of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely refer you to uh, my books. I do talk about narcissism uh, in my books. I talk about it most prominently in the third book, One. Uh, blessed and cursed and one are the books okay so in the third book one I talk the most about narcissism but you're not really going to understand it unless you read the first two it's not a scam folks okay I'm not trying <laughs> the whole thing was originally written as one book um, but it was too big to publish as one book and so it, it got split up into three which unfortunately makes it so that you can't necessarily just pick up one book and hey you know it's there you go just pick up in the middle of it yeah you're going to be missing some major information yeah you're for not sure. really going to understand where i came to and how i came to it uh, in the third book if you don't read the first two so those 
And then uh, there was actually a YouTube channel that helped me a lot with uh, kind of my processing and stuff like that. And that was the YouTube channel Surviving Narcissism. Uh, I have never met uh, the guy who uh, runs Surviving Narcissism. I've never corresponded with him. Um, I have no kind of agreements or anything with him. None of that, okay. I just found his content to be really helpful. And I found the way that he put things to make a lot of sense to me. And so if you, if you like the way that we talk about it, if it seems a little different to you, Really, those are the only resources that I can think of where I would send you. I have been uh, to school and learned about all this. I was in a master's program at uh, Mid-America Nazarene University uh, for mental health counseling. And I pulled out of that program. Uh, we talk about that in other places. And I talk about it in the books as well, why I pulled out. Um, there were some serious and legit reasons. And um, so anyway, uh, we're just going to leave that be for now. Anybody who has any more questions, though, please email us. Ask us questions. We want to have your questions. We want to help you. We are continuing to try to communicate with this person who emailed us and trying to help this person further and we will continue until I guess until we have helped them in sufficient way that they feel like they their questions have been answered yeah. or, or we feel like we have nothing left to offer I guess yeah um, so yeah uh, please let us know anyway uh, so that's that so, so that now we can go actually on to the nitty gritty. Yes, yes. Right? So let's get gritty. So, so um, I'm going to give a little bit of a prelude or a background. So I had one, the one part of the episode planned um, yesterday. I had it all done. And then when I went to bed last night, I, was, I remembered that a few months ago I had researched a bunch um about love for all of our episodes on saying I love you and I had quite an extensive um, list of things for this episode okay. um, and so that's why this is becoming I had I had a whole long enough episode for one episode and then this came and I'm like oh this so is going to be too so then you realized you had too, too much and, and it was a thing that it wasn't like oh we can take some out it was all important and I didn't want to yeah. leave anything out um, so as these kinds of topics tend to be yes um, yeah all the all of the information needs to be discussed but especially since it's such a difficult topic and obviously it is something that um, there are people, there's a lot of people out there. We have learned that through the research that there are more people out there that have this problem with estranged family members and, um, and all that. So it's something that... Yeah, it's a, it's a much bigger issue than uh, we had thought it was. We don't necessarily, or at least before starting all this, we didn't really necessarily know too much about anybody's experience but our own. Yeah. Right? And we have our own kind of experiences that we've had. And um, 
but apparently it is bigger than we realize. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this topic for a couple months, and I've actually dreaded this episode. Okay. Um, but I know it's important. Um, in the four things that matter most, there are so many examples of people who said that doing these four, saying these four things before they're estranged, well, whether they're estranged or not. The four but, things are? Um, I... I forgive you. I forgive you. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. Okay. And like I said earlier that we're starting with the last one, which tends to be the hardest one to say, I think, okay. especially when it comes to an estranged family member. Okay. I think it's a, a lo- all the other ones are a little bit easier. Um, but um, with this... Doing, but all the examples in the book of doing it with us, saying these things in a strange relationship, all the examples turned out positive. Okay. Um, and was good thing, and and that's one thing that I actually wanted to write Doctor Bayak about and say, okay, I know the point of the book is to get people to say it, but has but dish on the negative. Yeah, because I like I said in that episode, I did this not knowing I was doing it. I was kind of forced to do it. Right. And it wasn't a good experience for me. Yeah. Right. And um, so I don't know. I right. And we we attempted to basically do this with my father as he was dying, mm-hmm. and it did not work out at all. I mean, this was kind of a big part of what I was shooting for, like, the whole 23 years that I was trying to help my parents. Yeah. Um, And it didn't end the way that we wanted it to. Yeah. So, and we're going to address that more next week. Um, Mm -hmm. But, so, the first thing, when I had this list... um, I, the first thing I was going to say is just do it. Right. Just say I love you, right? Um, but then I remembered season two, episode six, where we talked about just saying I love you isn't enough. It's right. more than words. And um, even if you have been hurt by someone, you can't just go and say it. And that's kind of, that's kind of where I think I was lacking in my experience is that I was being pressured to say the things when I didn't feel it. Right. So the things we're going to focus on today is um, how to feel it before you actually say it. And this is a really tough topic. I know anyone's, I mean, my own thing. It's been years for you as well. Um, And and before we get into the things, though, I want to address also, sorry, I have all this preliminary stuff, but it's all important. The preliminary. So this also crosses into our discussion that we had in um, episode seven and eight of what love is and what love isn't. Um, Because you'll notice the things we're about to discuss have little to do with being with that estranged person and has more to do with your own heart um, when it comes to feeling love. Um, for the estranged parent um, if or fam- other family member. Right. If the person is a dangerous person, 
you do not have to sacrifice your safety um, to love them. Well, and I feel like, I know it's not, you know, so there's the I love you, I forgive you, all that stuff, and, and it's all kind of mixed, you know, they're, they're separate questions, but I feel like forgiveness has a lot to do yes, with this as well. It does, and I don't, and I don't and, bring the, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just want to, I think that a lot of people have maybe the wrong idea about forgiveness a lot of times. Forgiveness does not, look, if you forgive someone, that you are not absolving them of their sins, okay? You are not saying, hey, you know what? All of those things that you did that were horrible, they don't matter anymore. You're free of them. You can't free someone of the horrible things that they've done. You don't have the power to do that. And that's not what you forgiving other people is about, okay? Um, only God can forgive sin. Only God can release a person from the burden of sin that they carry. You don't even have the power to do it, okay? And it's not up to you to even attempt it, right? So what what is that forgiveness from you actually about? It's about removing from your own heart the hatred and the animosity that is bringing you down. It's you you forgiving someone else is not about freeing them from anything. It's about freeing you. It's about freeing you from the hatred and the anger and all that other stuff and stopping the destruction to your own heart. Now, maybe you forgiving them can have a positive effect for the other person. But really, whether it does or not is up to them. They get to choose what they do with it. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and they can accept it or they can reject it. That's not up to you. That's up to them. Mm-hmm. The forgiveness is one hundred percent about, and this is where I think it crosses over with the love, loving your enemies, forgiving those other people, all of that kind of stuff. It's about removing from your heart the the hatred, the burden, all of that stuff that you carry, and uh, replacing it with love for the other person. And love does not necessarily mean sitting and holding hands and singing kumbaya. Yeah. Okay? It it means in my opinion, it means a lot more of actually like trying to do something to this beneficial for the other person. Mm-hmm. Trying to bring something positive into their own into their life. Maybe even trying to help them to see the areas where they are hurting themselves Mm -hmm. and trying to help them to stop hurting themselves. And, you know, I realize I'm a little biased in that view uh, because I was kind of how I went about it. And so, you know, that's that's my thought. That's what I think about it. You guys can disagree with me if you want, but I don't know. I think that we need to remove from ourselves the burden of uh, releasing somebody else from their sins and just release yourself from the hatred. Yeah. Well, and that's it. This is going to work better. And yes, the forgiveness and the love are connected. And I think we touch on, we'll be touching on that, but I don't ever get too in depth with it because we will have another episode in the future yes. about forgiving an estranged parent. Um, but um, so, but if we are going to go and 
to the deathbed of, of a strange parent or estranged loved one, um, then just saying I love you could, and we'll talk about this more next week, could be a catalyst, mm-hmm. but it's going to work better if you actually feel the love yes. bef- instead of just saying it because it's more than words. Yes, you have to believe what you say. However, if you cannot believe what you are saying, but you know that what you're saying needs to be said or is right, sometimes it is in the saying of something that you know is true, even if you don't really feel it. Yes. Okay, sometimes it is in the saying of anything that you know is true that you actually come to feel it. Yes. And that you actually come to go, you know what? This is true. Okay. This is my position. I get it and I understand it now. I don't fully understand it, um, but there are some things where until you actually verbalize it, it's just not going to stick. It's not gonna. It's you're not really gonna feel it. Well, it's like taking that first step. It's it is a leap of faith. Yeah. So um, yeah. So and then next week we'll cover. So today we're t- we're focusing more on trying to feel that love, and next week we'll talk about actually the action of saying "I love you" to the estranged person in your life. Okay. So the first thing we need to realize um, to start to feel that love is that we are all children of God even those who have hurt us. Right. Um, and I have quite a few examples from the scriptures here. I'm not going to read. Some of them I'll read the whole scripture, and some of them are just excerpts from it. So first we have, You are all the children of the Lord your God, and that's from Deuteronomy 14.1. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spirit itself beareth witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. That's from Romans 8.16. Um, do you want to read the next one? Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother? From Malachi 2.10. Okay, and then, uh, so those are, there were more, and I might put all the scriptures that I looked at in um, the description of the episode, but those are the ones I was going to focus on. So we must first start by believing that this person is a child of God, so therefore is worthy of love because we're all of God's children. Okay. Um, do you have, I mean, that's, that's just the, the foundation of all that. Do you have anything to share to say about that? Um, I know that it can be hard to get to that point of, you know, when you've really suffered under a person's hand, when they've really done horrible things to you and really done terrible things in your life, it can be hard to get to that point of saying, uh, you know what, they're a child of God too, they deserve love as well. Um, because sometimes that pain and that hurt can be so much, sometimes that damage can be so deep that it can be hard to think anything other than this person needs to suffer. They deserve suffering. They they need to suffer so that they understand how I've suffered, right? It's this idea that I have 
you have inflicted pain upon me, and now you need to feel the pain as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that maybe that's part of it, which kind of ties into ideas of vengeance and comeuppance and all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of powerful emotions associated with that deep kind of hurt. And I understand all that. And it can be a really difficult thing to deal with. And I'm not saying, like, that this is this is obviously easier said than done. Of course, I, I just rattle off these scriptures, right? And it's like, there right. you go. No, I know it's not easy to be like, this, right. is, this is just the baseline to help um, motivate. Yes. And, you know, having this understanding of they are also a child of God, and they are deserving of love and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you can get there unless you actually have a love for God. Unless you actually have uh, some kind of a testimony, some kind of a conviction that God does live, God does love his children. And uh, I think that as we try to see people, even our oppressors, in the way that God sees them, then that uh, is kind of what brings about that change, helps us to change our perspective, and that comes with having a conviction of that God loves us, all of these kinds of things, but also, you know, this is also where it kind of leads to, yes, God loves this person, um, But we also have to understand that love from God does not mean God accepting everything that the person has done. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that God uh, is going to say, ah, well, you know what? Uh, Oliver did some really terrible things and he has really destroyed a lot of people's lives. But you know what? I love him, so it's okay. Yeah, no. That's not what it means. because God loves us, his heart breaks when we do horrible things and hurt others of his children, okay? It's like, uh, really, it's like when uh, our kids do things that hurt each other, right? Well, my job, as I feel as their father, is to protect my children, largely, mm-hmm. even from each other. When one, if one of them starts uh, engaging in dangerous or abusive behavior towards another, well, then I'm going to step in and protect the one who is in danger, right? Even from their sibling, if it comes down to it. It doesn't mean that I don't love the child who is being the abusive one or the one who is getting out of hand. I love them both. But I can't tolerate Mm -hmm. the one being hurt by the other. And so there are times when I have to step in and I have to say, this has got to stop right now. And then afterwards, because I love the one who was uh, doing things the wrong way, then I am going to seek to help that person. I'm I'm going to seek to help that one to learn how to not do things that are harmful to the others. Mm -hmm. I'm going to seek to help that one to learn how to not destroy relationships with other people. How to 
interact and react with people in a good, healthy, positive uh, way, right? Help them to be better. And so that's kind of, I, I guess, kind of my relationship with our children is kind of how I would uh, conceptualize that and think about, you know, our relationship to our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, this doesn't give... We're not giving you all the answers today. Like I said, I think it's these are more of to be catalysts to your own... Yeah. Your own self-reflection and... Um, and, and really, you know, seriously, though... Um, if you're if you're watching or listening to this podcast thinking that we're going to give you all the answers, <laughs> you should just turn it off because we're not going to give you all the answers. We'll tell you uh, kind of what we've figured out. We'll try and uh, tell you the answers that we've come to, and we'll tell you where we've found those answers. We're going to try and give you the best information that we possibly can. But make no mistake, we are not the people who have all the answers in life. And there are a lot of answers in life that you're just going to have to find for yourself and you're just going to have to figure out for yourself. Maybe that seems harsh. Maybe that seems uh, uncaring. If it does, I, I'm sorry, but there's really no other way to do it. Yeah, this is, you know, these are, these are actually, we're a lot of the times talking from our experience or things that um, we've researched that's helped other people mm -hmm. and i think a lot of this today is from our own experience and this is where we find help and strength in trying to overcome these feelings of um the negative feelings that we've had inside us towards our estranged parent right so um i guess we'll move on to number two which is a commandment that jesus gave us um, to love your enemies and your neighbor. And I'm going to read, um, this is a few verses in Luke. Um, I have this open, there it is. Luke chapter 6, verses 31 through 36. Um, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lead to them, or sorry, if ye lend to them whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your father also is merciful. So, um, there we have, those are words from Jesus himself, mm -hmm. of we are commanded to love our enemies. Right. And unfortunately for some of us, or some of you, some of us and some of you, um, parents or family members might be on that list of enemies. Yes. And, um, and yeah, and I've lived it. I, I know what it's like to have to pray for those who despitefully use you um, and those who should love you and have become your enemies. And 
you know, uh, I kind of, I do talk about this in my books again, um, but, you know, when I was serving my mission and I was really, things were really getting serious um, with my parents, you know, I felt like I needed to write home to them, tell them, hey, look, you know what, you got to change some things or you're going to destroy your family. That's the Cliff Notes version of uh, the first book, okay? Um, but, you know, there... It, it was a difficult thing, and there was a point where I kind of realized, I was like, you know what, these people, they have become my enemies. And they they had become my enemies, and they were doing a, a lot of things to just to hurt me. And um, I remember uh, thinking about it, and I remember actually making a conscious decision. I remember going, you know what? Uh, Jesus Christ said to love your enemies and there was so much anger there was so much hurt there was so much of all of this stuff that I was you know at the time I'm away from my family I had no contact with them they wouldn't I got no letters home at the time the only uh, contact for missionaries from home was via letter I got no letters from home for the last 20 months of my two-year mission. So I got letters for four months, a, a little bit. And I got nothing after that. Uh, every time I called home, I was hung up on. Um, so, you know, I had a lot that I was very frustrated with, a lot that I was angry about, and... I remember reading that and going, I have to pray for them. And just thinking, how can I? How can I possibly pray for them after all they've done to me, after all they've done to my siblings, after all of the things, after what they're doing even now, how can I pray for them? And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And so I did. I prayed and I was like, Heavenly Father, please help my parents and I prayed for them and I asked for help for them I, and I found that I was able to pray for them and it made it easier for me to pray for them and to work to try to actually help them before you know when I started out it was all about helping my siblings who I cared about and then as it progressed it became more of actually helping them um, because when I started, I didn't care about them, really. It was more my, it was my siblings who I cared about. They could take a hike and I would be fine, you know. Um, but as it progressed, again, this is that when you vocalize it, when you do it, it becomes more real. And it takes root more. And so as I engage in trying to pray for my parents, it became easier it became more genuine. It became more real. Um, so, uh, yeah, sorry. Our son just got home. I, Dominic? I okay, I think he went around to the back of the house. All right. Sorry, guys. Yeah, because we're, like, sitting on the front porch here recording <laughs> this episode. And, uh, yeah, we saw the car drive up. Anyway, uh, so back to... The oh. topic at hand. Okay, so I was gonna, I, I'm just gonna mention this, mention the story of the Good Samaritan as well. I was gonna have us tell it, but um, 
we're not because of time. Right. But um, I think that the Luke, this discussion we just had covered it enough. You can study the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 and get, gain some more insight on loving enemies. Um, yes. and, and just for context with the story of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan, so in that society, uh, and please correct me, anybody watching or listening, if I'm wrong, but I, my understanding is that the Samaritan was a person who was actually outcast from society. He was not welcome. He was almost viewed as an enemy within uh, the Jewish uh, community at that time. But he saw the person who was hurt, and he helped him anyway, even though he knew that no interaction from him was welcome. Yes. So on to um, the my third point is other related commands. So we have, um, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And that's from Leviticus 19.18. And that's mm -hmm. something you talked about is you don't want to um, have grudges or I think. Yeah, this is Old Testament. I, I want to point that out because it seems like there's a lot of people who think uh, all the good stuff is in the New Testament. There's a lot of good stuff in the Old Testament, yeah. too. Well, I already uh, mentioned Deuteronomy, which is also in the Old Testament, right. and Malachi. So, so. I, I'm just saying, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff, actually, when you look at what Jesus Christ taught, it was kind of already there. Uh, just, you know, their rule structure and their traditions had kind of made it a little bit more regimented. He was trying to bring back the heart and the principles of the things that they already believed and the things that they already knew. Jesus Christ wasn't coming and saying, like, hey, guys, I, I got this new thing, and it's like, totally new! It, it was actually, you know, he uh, loved the Old Testament. <laughs> yes. Believe it or not. Yeah. So the next one is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, um, and it says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So brother is not just, you know, when it's kind of brothers in the same context of like neighbor mm -hmm. when, um, you know, it's a kind of a general term for anyone. Um, and that... So if we can't hate even those that hate us or right. treat us wrong, then... Or, you know, think about the most deplorable people that you can think of. Think about the people who you most want to hate. The people who, in your mind, you think... No, it's okay to hate them. No, it's okay to, uh, to try and hurt those people because they're evil. They're deplorable. They're horrible. Um, think about those people. You're supposed to pray for them too. So um, we live in a society today 
in a culture where it has become acceptable to hate a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? And um, you see it all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on social media somebody go, well, you're a literal Nazi, you know, for to one person or another because they have a belief that differs from their own. Um, God loves even the literal Nazis. I, I mean, I know that sounds like really controversial and everything, but it's true, okay? And even those people who you find as the most detestable people in the world, the people who you find as just the, the worst of the worst, God loves them all, and we will do better by praying for those people and trying to love those people and do good for those people than we will by trying to destroy those people because, well, they're evil, and so we can go ahead and we can destroy them. Uh, That does not mean that we go along with things that are not true, does not mean that we support things that are evil, does not mean that we support things that are destructive uh, to other people. We still have to protect those who are being uh, hurt. Um, but we don't have to hate anyone. Yes. And if, if you are being caught up in hatred and anger, you're wrong. It doesn't matter who it's for. You're wrong. Again, like I said earlier, it's about this is about what's in your heart, not necessarily. I mean, yes, it, it will bleed into your actions as well but that doesn't mean you have to go and like you said hold their hand be in yeah you don't have to stand next to someone who if somebody is protesting something that you believe in and they are standing for something that you believe is evil you don't have to stand next to them and protest with them you don't have to join them in their thought you don't have to join them in the thing that you really feel is evil but you do have to remove the hatred in your heart for that person. You do need to pray for that person. You do need to uh, take out the animosity. You need to take out the desire to uh, see them get their comeuppance or whatever it is. And that's kind of what we're moving on to right now is, so we had the, the base, like, why or, you know, how... What are the, the, the food for thought? We brought the food for thought, right? The truth beside, mm-hmm. and the commandments from, from God about loving right. your estranged parent. Um, and the next thing is kind of how to do it. And you've brought it up a little bit already. And that's really the million-dollar question, right? And, and I think in most cases, it's only going to happen with the help of Jesus Christ and his atonement, like we talked about last week. Like I was thinking about um, when I was this morning, I was like, do people that don't have Jesus Christ in their life, do they even have a reason to forgive? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And and that's one of the things where, you know, we can talk um, about, you know, all of these things can be done whether you believe in God or not. But the question is, what is it that motivates you to actually do it? Mm-hmm. What is it that pushes you forward and tells you, no, this is actually important? No, this is worth the difficult effort that it takes to actually do this. 
who in the world is going to put themselves to a really difficult task if there isn't something that pushes them that says, no, it's worth the difficulty? Yeah, I mean, what's the point? Why? And, and that's where, you know, you can go, okay, well, you don't have to believe in God. But until somebody can come up with a, an answer for the question, well, then what else is it that motivates you forward? I don't know that I have a full answer for how could you uh, engage in this without believing in God. You know, it... Unless you're really wanting to mend the relationship. And so if if there's somebody out there who uh, can, you know, I'm telling you uh, where my shortcoming in understanding is, if there's somebody out there who's like, oh, well, I got that. I I know that. Go ahead. Uh, you know, send us an email, uh, talk to us. If there's somebody who really has like personal experience and they want to talk about it, maybe we can set up an interview uh, and dig into it. I got no problem. I want to hear from other people. I want to learn from other people. Uh, you know, while we offer what we have, we want what you have as well. Uh, this isn't just about us. We want to make this a conversation. I feel like I've said that before. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and you know, uh, it does start with praying for it. And I, that time when I prayed about, you know, prayed and I made that conscious decision in that prayer, I did say, you know, Heavenly Father, please help me to love my enemies. I asked for help in doing it before I went and I started trying to do it. And it was actually something that I prayed for a little, uh, a few times before I went and actually was able to say, all right, please help my parents, right? Um, so pray for help. Ask for help, and then, but you've got to take the step of actually doing it. You and, have to try to move forward. And you've already basically quoted this scripture, so we won't read it, but it's Matthew five forty four about praying for your enemies. So yeah. you, can, um, you can look that up to get the whole thing. Um, so once, after you start praying for them, then you can start to hope and wish for the best for them. So you can start by at first forcing yourself, I think saying, I want the best, you know, like affirmations. I want the best for this person. I want the best for, and then hopefully over time it will be come a part of you and will change your heart that you sincerely will want the best for them. And I think, um, that's you know, yeah. kind of the goal is that it becomes second nature. Yeah. And and the one thing that I want to throw out there is while you're hoping and wishing for the best for them and you're hoping for like a really good outcome and a really great outcome where, you know, they uh, realize maybe what they did that was harmful and they try and correct it and, and, you know, all of the relationships can be established and everybody comes together in love. Maybe that's going to happen for you. Maybe it's all really going to work out like that. But at the same time, maybe it's not. Maybe it's all going to go downhill. Maybe none of it is going to work out the way that you hope that it will. The way that you want it to. Didn't work out the way that I thought it would. Didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. Um, The things that I hoped for 
did not come about. And that was after 23 years of fighting for it. Um, maybe it's not going to work out for you. Maybe not all the stories like uh, Ira Bayok, Bjok, whatever his name is, uh, shares. Maybe they don't all turn out with happy endings. Um, that's not the point. The point is not letting yourself become the monster. The point is removing the hatred and the anger from your own heart. The hope doesn't have to, what you hope for doesn't have to come about. The hope is still, it's not that if it doesn't work out the way you want it to, then your hope was in vain. Your hope is worthless. Sometimes all that hope does is gets us from point A to point B. And if hope can get you from point A to point B, sometimes that's all it's really meant to do. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes your hopes are fulfilled. Sometimes they're not. And that's life. So to go along um, with that, the hope and the wish for the best for them, I have Romans 13.10 says, Love worketh no Ill, ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. So you don't want ill yeah. will for those people. That's, that's, so none let, of, let the hope change your heart, whether or not it changes somebody else's heart. Yeah, so again, none of these things that we've talked about have been, a, you know, go um, have a party with them. Right. There may come, there may be opportunities for that. Um, as in the future. Yeah, we, and, and I can't tell you how it's going to work out. Uh, that's something you just got to discover by digging into it. And I think as you become closer to Jesus, then yeah. that... Um, but just keep in mind the focus, and as you uh, seek uh, a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and with your Heavenly Father, I think you're going to find it easier to uh, press on in hope and to change your own heart and to do these kinds of things as you try to remove that hatred and the anger and the pain and everything from your own heart. I mean, there's some things that pain is always going to be there. Um, but the anger and the hatred don't have to be there, right? Um, it's like I've kind of noticed I've been, you know, kind of fidgeting with my hands a little bit as we go through. And I, I notice this every once in a while. Uh, so there's my hand here. And I've got the, the one finger that doesn't go down all the way. You know, and i got this scar tissue right here. There's an accident several years back. I almost lost my hand. I almost died, actually. Got a pretty bad staph infection. Um, I've had... I've talked to other people since then who say that really I should have had my arm amputated right at the elbow without any uh, hesitation. So, you know, I still have pain from this. Um, sometimes the pain doesn't go away. Uh, and that's emotional things, physical things, all sorts of things in life. Um, but you don't have to have the anger. You don't have to have the hatred. And, uh, yeah, this is about changing your heart. It's not about changing somebody else's heart. That's for them to do. All you can do is be the best that you that you can be and do the most good for other people and for yourself that you're capable of.
So I think that's pretty much all we have to say about um, loving an estranged parent first before saying it. Um, If you have an experience where um, you've had an estranged parent and you have found a way to help you to love them, please comment. Um, and, or if you don't want to be public, you can write us an email. We'd love to hear your experience and what has helped you. And I think that our listeners would, um, like all the help they can get. So if there's something that has helped you, so please, please share. Yep. Please do. We, we really do want to hear from people more. So please do send us an email, give us a comment, whatever. We want your feedback. We want to be able to make you guys a part of all of this. Uh, it only is able to do that with more feedback and more interaction. We want that. Uh, so anyway, I think we're going to move on. And we're moving from something serious to something nice and fun. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it's not fun. <laughs> Sorry. So we're going to go from a, a rant that I just did to an Oliver rant section. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, all right. All right. Yes. So the past Oliver rants have been kind of silly. Yes. And this one's less ser- <laughs> silly. So this one is serious. All right. I'm closing my notes for this one. Okay. So I can give you guys my full undivided attention. All right. So this is a topic that I have thought about addressing many times in the past. I have uh, refrained from addressing it because I know that especially in the world that we live in today, this is one that's probably going to spark some serious emotions and views and controversies and stuff with all kinds of people who have all kinds of um, opinions about it. Okay, and so this kind of goes to the transgender uh, controversy that's raging throughout the nation and really the world today. Okay, and you know, look, adults that want to switch their genders, whatever, all right, whatever, man. Uh, I, I, I don't really have anything to say to you. What I do have something to say to is parents who are pushing uh, gender confusion uh, on their children, who are uh, taking their children and dressing them. uh, They they were this whole idea of gender assigned at birth um, and then imposing it upon their little children, taking little sons and dressing them as little girls, taking daughters, dressing them as little boys, um, and then trying to come at it from this perspective of, oh, well, you know, children as young as three, I've heard that children as young as three can know their gender identity. And I'm here to tell you that is a bunch of nonsense. It's absolute crap, okay? not true at all and um, whether on the left or on the right of this issue what I hear is a whole lot of people talking without having a real clue about what they're talking about people saying well you know children 
think this or children think that. This is how children are processing it. This is how children are processing it. And I'm here to tell you that both sides are just as clueless as the other. They are coming from a point of rationalization, a point of conceptualization, a point of uh, assuming that we know the mind of a child and what the child must think. And um, I, I'm coming at you with this rant today because I actually have some personal experience with all of this. Okay, so when I was small, younger actually than I can consciously remember, um, my family decided to dress me as a little girl. Okay, and I'm not talking about the normal kind of thing, you know, sisters will dress their brother up in a dress when they're playing dress up or house or whatever at home and they think it's funny and it's cute and it's fun and all that. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, both of our sons were dressed up in their sisters' dresses at different times. And, and my brothers. Yeah. Uh, and Okay, fine, that's, that's normal. It's not what I'm talking about. Okay? My parents would dress me up as a little girl and take me places in public. Now, again, this happened when I was a toddler. I don't really remember being a toddler but I've seen the pictures pictures of little toddler me uh, at the zoo wearing a dress I've seen the pictures and I have they haven't been hidden in fact there were times when they were displayed on the wall at home of this trip to the zoo and other things where there is a little Oliver dressed as a little girl. And I remember asking about it when I was a kid. Why did you put me in a dress? All right, sorry, I got a bee flying around me. Um, and the answer that I was given was, oh, well, you, were, you had this curly hair. And I know, surprising. <laughs> Look at my head now. Uh, you know, I had this curly hair, this beautiful curly hair, and I had these rosy red cheeks and this little rosy red nose. And um, I just made such a beautiful little girl. Well, um, you know, at no point in my life, as young as I can remember to now, did it ever make me feel like I was just adorable, like I was a beautiful child, like... Uh, I was just too lovable or uh, anything of those things at all. In fact, the only thing that it made me feel was that I was just not what my family wanted. And to tell you the truth, I don't remember a time in my life when I did feel like I was what my family wanted. And, you know, there's a lot of processing, there's a lot of learning that goes on with children in those early, early ages. I think a lot of it goes back to those early ages. I know what I've got. Every time I use the bathroom, I know that I'm a boy, not a girl. I've known it my whole life. And there's no way in the world that little toddler Oliver didn't know that. Little toddler Oliver 
knew that he was a boy and that he was being dressed as a girl. It doesn't matter what kind of rationalizations anybody else tries to give. The only thing I learned is that I just wasn't what anybody wanted. And if you are subjecting your children to this, so I'm talking directly to you now, if you're subjecting your children to this, all you are teaching your child is that whatever they are, they're not what you want. You're not teaching them they're loved, you're teaching them the exact opposite. And when they have problems later on in life, and they're depressed, and they hate themselves, and they hate who they are, and they have all these confused thoughts about, you know, am I really a boy, am I really a girl, whatever. It's your fault. It is. It's your fault. You're the one who's doing it. It is child abuse. And it is unacceptable. What your child wants is very simple. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted for who they are. They want to be valued for who they are. They're not asking you to transition them to a different gender. They're not asking you, they're not telling you that, oh, well, I'm really a, a different gender, mommy, and uh, I really just, I'm a little girl trapped in a little boy's body. No. Because children, their default position is to love you as their parent and to look up to you. They look up to you for guidance. They look up to you for acceptance. And when the only message you give them is, you're not good enough for me, I don't care if you feel like, oh, no, but I love my little child. Great. Wonderful. Then how about you show it? How about you show it by loving them for uh, who they are? Um, when you want to engage in these things, changing who your child is, um, you're sending the wrong message to your child. You are the one causing the depression later on in life. It isn't society. It isn't whether people accept transgender people or not. It's you. And it has to stop. There are a few things that I will not tolerate. One of them is the abuse of children. And, uh, you know, we just talked about loving your enemies. Look, I have love for all of the parents who are struggling. I understand what that's like. I'm a parent and I struggle, okay? But I have love also for the children. And it is unacceptable for you to try to change your uh, children. You know, I've, I kind of talk about in the first book, I've thought many times maybe all of this had to do with the fact that I had a sister who died uh, before I was born. Uh, the sister who came just before me and my family, she died at nine months old, and then I was the next one born. I don't know if this was my parents trying to cope with her loss. Oh, well, you know, we, we're we missing a daughter. Let's Hey, let's dress Oliver up as a little girl, and then we can have our daughter back. Um, if, if you lose a child, my heart goes out to you. But, that, but your children are not your teddy bear. They're not your uh, comfort blanket. They're not there to make you feel better. 
They're there for you to serve and for you to love. And if you can't handle that, you shouldn't be having children. So, um, sorry if I got a little serious here, but this is something that is very important to me, and uh, it's a serious topic. You aren't teaching your children anything positive by dressing them as something other than they are or treating them as something other than what they are. If you have a little boy, rejoice in that little boy that you have. Love him and treat him like a little boy. If you have a little girl, rejoice in that little girl that you have. Love her and treat her like the wonderful little girl that she is. A lot of how her life turns out, a lot of how she feels about herself, a lot about how his life turns out, a lot about how he feels about himself is on you. You can't blame society. You're the parent. Take charge and do the right thing. Okay. Rant over? I think rant is ended. <laughs> uh, so I hope that was fun for everybody. Uh, so I'm and, and look, if I made some people uncomfortable, I'm sorry. Um, this isn't a super comfortable thing for me to talk about. And every time that I see it happening in society, it does. It reminds me of my experience and it just, it's hard to keep myself from getting angry. And um, so this is my good faith reach out to all of you parents to let you know from somebody coming from a position of personal experience telling you knock that crap off you're not helping anyone you're destroying your children all right sorry the rent was supposed to be ended <laughs> okay um, so since today we had some deep dives um i wanted to share a funny quote um okay. before we get into our cookie Okay. Lighten things up yes. around here. Okay. Um, and this hear. is from Johnny Carson. Okay. So, for three days after death, hair and fingernails continue to grow, but phone calls taper off. Let's eat some cookies. Okay. So, this week... Uh, oh, you don't know what they are. We were just... You know, I mean, well, I know sort of a little bit about what they are, not specifically. So this week, you know, we've been busy with trying to move in, and then we just had Easter, um, you know, and so we've been a little bit busy. We didn't have time to make cookies. So we just, you know, we're here, new in Osawatomie, and Osawatomie is like a little tiny town. We don't even have a grocery store here. Um, but somehow we have... Two Casey's ga gas stations. <laughs> I don't know how in the world that works out, but we do. So we've never gotten cookies from Casey's before, so that's what we have today. What are these cookies, Sean? These are caramel pecan or caramel chocolate pecan cookies. Ch caramel chocolate pecan. Yeah, okay. so there's little... So just visually uh, to begin with, uh, the chocolate is in chunks. Mm -hmm. It might be called chocolate chunk. I don't know. Um, it's a very flat type of cookie, not a thick. So it's also very flimsy. Mm -hmm. um, and I can see the pieces of caramel. Uh, right off, I'm going to say the caramel pieces are too big. They kind of kill the texture of the cookie in the places where they are. They kind of sink in. 
and take everything over it looks like. And that also means that I'm not getting very many bites of caramel in this cookie. So that's my assessment before we taste it. Now let's taste it. It's not a crunchy cookie, but it's dry. Mm -hmm. The flavors, fine. Yeah, I feel like the cookie overall is fine, but it's not great. Yeah. I don't feel like this is like a cookie that I would like really want to go and get you know i guess if you're if you're hungry and need something to eat and you're at casey's and i don't know how cheap these are oh they were a dollar 19 each dollar 19 each and you're like well i mean everything else at the gas station is ten dollars <laughs> so these are a dollar 19 and i mean i guess you know if if that's your situation and you're like you know it's it's technically food and that's what I need right now is just something to eat. Then, all right, that's cool. I think the caramel works okay. It's not like, I thought it was going to be, it looks like it's going to be hard and like, mm -hmm. but it's more gooey. It is a softer caramel. It's not hard. It's not like super chewy where it destroys the texture of the cookie, but unless you get one of those few bites that actually has a big chunk of it, you get nothing. So, in that case, it's kind of like, why is it here? I don't very really, few pecans as well. Very few pecans. They went real skimpy on the pecans. I, yeah, I just feel like this cookie is... I feel like there's a reason it's only $1.19. I like they're uh, getting a little cheap on us here, you know? A lot more filler, less... A uh, lot, lot of commercials, not as much show. <laughs> that makes any sense to people. Okay, well, let's just end. Okay. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us. Sorry if today got a little bit thick and heavy. Um, but, well, you know what? I am thick and heavy, so. <laughs> yeah, you it's, didn't make, like, any just, jokes today. It's just the way it works, you know? Especially <laughs> after Easter. I mean... We ate so much, I'm extra thick and extra heavy today. <laughs> there you go, Char. There's okay. your one joke. Okay. All right. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. And until next time, uh, please remember, memento mori usquergo vivere. Remember, you will die. Until then, live. <laughs>